Real Fun DC. Hospitality and a little bit of sass are always on the menu. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Hello and welcome to Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis, the show that takes you on a deep dive into the happenings of the hospitality industry. Now, sometimes there's a focus on culture and sometimes there's a focus on travel trends and sometimes there's a focus on a passion project, but it all comes back to the industry. So now I did take some time out last week. It was my son Eli's graduation from RIT, Rochester Institute of Technology, and the whole mishbuka was there, 20 of us shouting for Eli as he walked across the stage. Um, he is my number four. I have one more left across the stage and then uh, you can bury me in the ground uh, so then I don't have to pay off all those loans. Uh, we hosted a pretty fabulous graduation dinner at a vino in Pittsburgh. I'm sure some of you are like, what is the dining scene in Rochester like? And believe it or not, it is super up and coming. There is a lot of investment in local farms, breweries, distilleries, and the people at Avino really utilize all of it. So we have this gorgeous private room, beautiful floral arrangements, amazing produce and products from around the region. It was a pretty incredible meal. Um, so if you're going up there, always give me a buzz. I can certainly hit you up with some great restaurants. And a few things that you may have missed around the DC area. So last week was the big Michelin announcement party at the French Ambassador's residence, um, which was pretty swanky. And there was an after party that was very 2019. There was a DJ and there was caviar and there was champagne and it was really fabulous. Um, so hopefully that kind of good stuff is going to keep happening here. Of course, you can go to the listareyouwanted.com to find out who kept their stars, who lost their stars, and uh, who are the new recipients. I also made my way to the Malaysian retreat known as Mekon here in DC. Chef James Wozniuk's, um, he really executes the cuisine beautifully. And if you're looking to celebrate and raise up those in the AAPI community, um, there are events happening all over town. Um, showcasing the talent of uh, chefs and those in the industry during AAPI Heritage Month. Of course, you can follow me at NYCCINELLIS on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Go to the listareyouwanna.com, follow the events calendar, buzz, and openings, and you will stay up to date on absolutely everything. Okay, so. We are two weeks into May, which not only brings in the warmer springtime weather, but activations and new exhibits. Yay! I am totally here for it. Uh, so on today's show, I have Kathy Frankel, who is Vice President for Exhibitions and Collections of the National Building Museum, and she joins me with a gentleman whose name I do not want to butcher, so I'm going to ask him to say it, Bruno. Bruno de Samorera. Yes, excellent. And he is CEO for Histoviri, uh, which is a French startup company that created and produced this incredible exhibition, Notre Dame de Paris, the Augmented Exhibition. But before we get into that fabulousness, uh, Emily Schutt is CEO and founder of Pop-Up Grocer. Now, grocery stores are not easy to do, and she is 
got this little pop-up at Union Market with newly launched brands relating to food and beverage and home and body and pets and more. And Emily, I'm so excited you are joining me today. Thank you for having me. So Emily, let's kind of break this down. Massive grocery stores are sort of the lay of the land when it comes to our grocery shopping. So there's not a lot of independent markets out there. How did you get into the business? Yeah, so your average grocery store is about 40,000 square feet. It's like the size of a football field. So when we go to do our shopping in order to navigate that monstrosity, you know, we usually have a pretty um, well-organized list and we're in and we're out, you know, you know, what we're there for, what we're hoping to accomplish. And there's not a whole lot of room for fun um, and for discovery uh, to find the new items in the store. You know, you have to crouch down on the bottom shelf or the tippy top and reach with your, with your arms pretty high. So what we wanted to do is create a space that is exclusively dedicated to new products um, that is about a thousand square feet, so much more manageable um, to navigate and has somewhere around 400 products. So um, everything is something that you're looking to be introduced to um, that is exciting and it's really easy for it to be seen. But how did you get into it? Like not everybody can just do that. So what, what's your background? How did you get that started? Mm. Uh, I have been a marketer for the entirety of my career, uh, working with small food companies to help bring new products to market. So this was kind of a natural evolution of that, I guess. Um, but yeah, I'm also just a consumer. I really um, love new products. I love better for you um, food items specifically, you know, like a a new nut butter really gets me going. <laughs> so I just wholeheartedly believed that there were a lot of people out there who get just as jazzed as I do and would be thrilled to have a dedicated space like we've created. Well, I think it's interesting because definitely during the pandemic, a lot of people became makers that maybe never intended to. I certainly got calls from lots of people who were like, hey, so now, and I'm not making this story up, there is a woman around the corner who is now making pound cakes. And she's like, so I got a credit date. Like I got all the things I need. Where do I sell them? So I put her in touch with people because I was like, maybe you can sell them. And now she is. So it's, it's, it is hard for these makers to get to market. So how did you, how do you go about finding makers to feature? Hmm. Um, well, yes, it is very hard for them to get to market. I mean, it's easier for them to get into independent, you know, boutique stores, but to get into one of these 40,000 square foot monstrosities, you basically just have to pay a lot of money. Yeah. So you have to pay to be on shelf, you have to pay to stay on shelf, you have to pay to do sampling in store, you have to pay for human resources, to sort of manage the whole operation of it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so it, it's a lot harder just to get on a shelf and get in the hands of the person who wants to buy your product, um, more so than you would think. Um, so but we, how do we get in your shelf? How does, how does it work with you? <laughs> well, you email us, um, or you message us on Instagram. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you asked how we find brands. Uh, we just, we scour the depths of the internet. We go down lots of rabbit holes. Uh, you know, and we find businesses that have so much as like an Instagram profile, they might not even have a website yet. Mm -hmm. And is there certain uh, 
products that you're looking for? Do you, are you like, let's walk through the store and what we can find there and tell us about some of the brands that you're featuring that, you know, really turn you on. Sure. Well, they all turn me on. Um, uh, a grocery aisle in general is a big turn on for me. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but so we look for first and foremost um, newness, like I said. So everything in our in our store is new to market. Um, a lot of the items might be sold exclusively online. This is the first physical space in which they've been, the first physical shelf on which they've been offered. Um, and then we look for uh, ingredient responsibility. Um, so everything on our shelves we classify as better for you. Um, so, uh, you know, there's no long list of ingredients, uh, or head scratchers. Mm -hmm. And then the third criterion is that it has to look good. So, um, everything in our store, uh, kind of contributes to the overall, uh, joyful, colorful aesthetic. Mm -hmm. uh, so no craft paper packaging it has to be really thoughtful and have, you know, be designed forward. Are you, are there products that you've seen? that you were like, I love this. I wish your aesthetic was more to our liking. Do you work with people in that capacity? Yes, absolutely. We see a lot of products that seem like they have a lot of potential from a concept standpoint, um, and they might even taste great, but their packaging is atrocious. Mm -hmm. um, and the harsh reality is, no, we do not work with them because we don't believe that they would be successful in our space. Um, our space is essentially an advertisement. So if you aren't there to put your best foot forward, um, there's just really no point in being there. Um, and do we work with people in that capacity to the best of our ability? I certainly wish given my background that I could work with every single brand um, to, to help them you know, do just that, put their best foot forward. But at the end of the day, we're not a design agency. We can point them in the right direction. Well, um, that's what I meant. I just meant yeah. like, if, let's say you had a product and you're like, this tastes great and I love what you're doing and nobody else is doing this, but the aesthetic you need, like, cause you know, sometimes people are kind of like kooky. They think like, you know, uh, I'm going to witty is better or, you know, like they, they go cartoony or they do something and you're like, I don't know why they're doing this. This is ruining it for me. So do you just sort of give them some feedback that you hope they take to heart and then they do? I don't expect you to do the design, obviously. I'm just wondering like the feedback process. Yeah, again, you know, we're limited in how much we're able to, to provide feedback just because at the end of the day, that unfortunately isn't our business, but certainly um, we do guide them as much as we're as we're able to. There is one brand, um, it's a local brand, for example, called District Snacks. They make a chocolate chip cookie dough almond butter that we featured in our DC location. Mm -hmm. And I gave them the feedback that they're label was a bit uh, underwhelming and they actually very quickly put together a rebrand in time uh, for display on our shelves and I mean they're selling really well people are really excited about them and I could tell you that that wouldn't have been the case um, so much with their with their label before so that's amazing I love that okay so let's talk about the design of the shop and the overall aesthetic there so people have a good idea like where is it in Union Market so it's on um, Fifth Street Northeast. It's just down from St. Anselm, um, which we're a New York-based company. So we're familiar with that restaurant ourselves um, mm -hmm. next to Birdland. Uh, and yeah, the store is really colorful and um, designed intentionally to be very welcoming. Uh, we have very friendly staff. 
uh, on the floor ready to help people understand the products and learn more about the founders and the stories behind them. And then we actually have a really fun game if you're familiar with uh, Price is Right um, and the game Plinko. Uh, we have that in the back of the store so you can actually uh, win. You can win anything from a free compliment um, to uh, some spending dollars in the store. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. Okay, so I'm coming into the store. I'm going to walk away with five things. What do I need to buy? Oh, my goodness. That's I know. Like, I know. It's like picking a child. Children, which I'm not a parent, but um, I have them. And so I know that parents have favorite children. So let right. me see. <laughs> um, I would say you need to visit our um, happy hour section, which has some... Uh, booze free booze options. Um, so there's uh, one sparkling rosé called Sovi. It actually has the alcohol removed. So it is in fact wine, um, tastes like wine, um, but doesn't have the alcohol. So good for a night when you kind of want a night off from drinking. Mm -hmm. um, I'll give you I'll give you three rather than five since I'm okay. explaining each of them. <laughs> uh, and then I would say um, you can pick up a product called Spoonful. Uh, it's personal favorite. It's an overnight oats um, product made with almond milk uh, and pea protein. So uh, it's hearty and satisfying um, and a really quick breakfast option. And then um, I would tell you that you can get um, do, do, do something that's kind of exclusive to us. Hmm. Um, Anything local? There, yes, we have about eight brands, I believe, that are local. Uh, and do you work with the, the local incubators on that, like Mess Hall or Union Kitchen or anything like that? No, we've been in touch with them, but I mean, I, I don't want to go as far as to say that we're anti-local. We're certainly not, but really the whole idea of the concept is that we're bringing in brands um, who aren't already in the DC area. So our focus isn't on local, um, but there is a brand called Snacklins uh, that is kind of like a vegan pork rind and um, they have a Chesapeake Bay flavor. So as a Marylander myself, um, that's pretty close to my heart and quite delicious. So there, there are three for you. Okay, well, Emily, why don't you tell everybody, please, where we can find you online and on Instagram? Yes, uh, popupgrocer.co, not .com. It's 2022 and all of those are taken. <laughs> uh, and then on Instagram, it's at popup.grocer. Great. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Okay, so as I said at the beginning of the show, the National Building Museum has really recently opened a major new inter- active exhibition and it's presenting the history and culture of Notre Dame uh, the Paris Cathedral and it's this immersive augmented reality experience I don't know what that means we're going to find out everything about that um, and it sounds incredible so Kathy Frankel is joining us and Kathy I want to start with you because pre-pandemic the National Building Museum just annually had these incredible activations for locals and tourists alike to participate in. I'm thinking about the beach because, I mean, that was so brilliant. Um, so can we talk about the museum and its history first? 
Absolutely. And I've been thinking a lot about this. So I'm really glad you've asked this question. Um, so we've been open since 1985. I have been at the museum for around 20 years. So for a long time. Um, and in my earlier days there, we talked a little bit about how challenging it was to be a museum about the built environment without being able to experience it in full scale. Um, we changed that narrative a little bit with the summer projects like the beach and the maze and the lawn, um, which is the most recent one back in 2019. Um, and creating these immersive interactive experiences um, using beautiful design but using our amazing space which you know on the one hand they were fun and playful we attracted families and younger people instagrammers influencers all those great people uh, but it really did impact sort of the way you saw our space and experience the space we i always think about the beach when the designers early on were like people will come and they'll pretend like it's the beach and they'll act like it. And I'm like, oh, that's sure, whatever. Um, and they did, I would, I'm up on the fourth floor and I would look down and there were little kids waiting in with their parents at the shallow end. And there were teenagers jumping off the pier at the end. And I it sounded in. like the beach. I jumped in. <laughs> Me too, many times. It was, I mean, it, it was yeah. really brilliant. I mean, obviously today the beach would be like sort of, you know, I don't even we're know not doing that again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think you could do that. Like think of all those balls and all those bodies. And parts. I can't even. Yeah. 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 It's a little bit unthinkable. I still like the pictures, but I'm not doing that again. Right. Um, but yeah, but it was fun with those. One of the designers said to me, it's amazing what good design can do to sort of create unexpected behavior in a, in a positive way. And I think those did that. Um, but even with those, the, the, other thing I've been thinking about is we can experience, so we're building, we're the building museum about the built environment. So not just about the buildings, but the spaces between the buildings as well, the landscapes, the um, infrastructure, a little bit of everything. Um, and that's one thing we haven't been able to experience all that well is sort of how are you on a site? How are you talking about a building without sort of being able to experience where it is? Because it's not just the building in and of itself, it's the entire surroundings. Mm -hmm. um, and that is one of the wonderful things that this exhibition on Notre Dame does that Bruno will tell you more, but there's a sort of 360 degree element of a lot of the um, VR options or the, the AR options in that, um, where you can stand on the plaza in front of Notre Dame, both in the 1200s and in 2019, and you can spin all the way around and see what it looked like, what Paris looked like around it. So it, it's pretty spectacular and pretty unique for us. So we're really excited about the presentation. Well, before I bring Bruno on, I'd like to know how you two wound up Together. I mean, were you looking to execute another immersive experience? Is that how this all started? You know, we really miss our summer experience. We're doing something different this year, um, but not quite the same as what we've done in the past. And we look forward to getting back at that. So I think timing was good with Bruno. Um, Bruno had come to visit, what, about four years ago, I think, Bruno, um, yeah. when he was looking to expand into the US and seeing how we could partner. At the time, we didn't find something sort of to, to start to work on, um, but Bruno came back um, about a year ago now and said he was working on this Notre Dame project. Um, and what one other thing we love about it is we're about process too. And Notre Dame is an icon that you think of it as this final sort of beautiful structure that was there forever and we thought was gonna be there forever. Um, and then the fire happened. I, have, I literally have those words written down that like, yeah. you know, I we're so used to some things that are just mm -hmm. Notre Dame was always going to be there. It just right. doesn't occur that to us that it could all be gone in a exactly, in a, you know, yeah. 
And what it's provided us is the opportunity to talk about the process of Notre Dame from when it was built sort of starting in 1194, is that right, Bruno, give or take, <laughs> um, into sort of changes that happened over time that people didn't realize. And now sort of with the fire and the reconstruction of sort of what this, it, it will look the same, um, the building anyway, the surroundings may be a little bit different when this is done, um, but it's really fun to talk about the process and some of the animations that are in the this ex exhibition and experience, I think will be really enlightening for our visitors. Well, I'm very, so Bruno, I want to bring you in. I mean, you have so much to explain to us, but I mean, <laughs> let's first start with you and your company and the technology. Like, how did you get into this business? So at uh, Historvery, uh, what we do is we create augmented visit experiences. What is an augmented visit? It's uh, using augmented reality to enhance the visitor's experience on sites, in museums, in monuments. And uh, today we've been uh, uh, equipping about 20 uh, museums and monuments with the Histopad. So the Histopad is a tablet that uh, you get at the entrance and you are going to do the whole visit with your personal tablet in hands. And it becomes a time traveling machine because you will be able to see the place as it was in the past, at different moments in time. Mm -hmm. And in order to, to do that, we will reconstruct in 3D uh, complete vanished worlds for you to be able to look at it today. So um, for instance, in France, we could be in the Chateau de Chambord, or we could be in the Pope's Palace in Avignon, or we could be in La Conciergerie in Paris. And uh, in, each, uh, in each place, the histopad is gonna give you uh, the, the opportunity to, to look at uh, the walls around you. You could look at the floor, you could look at the ceiling in every direction in uh, 360 degrees. And what you have in front of you is the, the present, but on your screen, it's the same place in the same angle, but it could be in the Middle Age, or it could be uh, in the Renaissance time, or any other period of time you so want to So are you, so, okay, so I have this screen in front of me, and I'm looking, let's say, at a brick wall, just for yes. But yes. so the, the screen knows to walk me through, I think back um, years ago, when I was young, my parents took me to Pompeii and there was a book and it had um, plastic overlays that took you, like I, it showed you, right? I, like it showed you how it changed over time. Nikki, so that's how I, I'm imagining it. Nikki, I have this book. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. And actually um, it's pretty close, except that now we have the digital uh, medium mm -hmm. and the, 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 the new power of this medium is interactivity. Because not only are you going to see the image of uh, Pompeii, so to speak, mm. or Notre Dame. Right, since we're there, or, Notre Dame. <laughs> so the place you are looking at, and not only are you going to see it as it was in the past, but you can also click on each detail. Who is this character? What is this object what are what is this group doing and so forth 
And when you click, you get an immediate answer, which could be another 3D object that you could manipulate, open, close, and see how it works. If it was a, a mechanism, for instance, or it could be a character and you could see his costume, uh, his uh, more information about his life. And so we try to give you uh, uh, the key uh, to answer your own curiosity by yourself, because what we see with the histopad when you are visiting, suddenly your curiosity increase. Why? Because we can satisfy it immediately. <laughs> so people become more engaged in their visit. So they, 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 they actually they stay longer and we can measure this very precisely because the histopad records the behaviors in a, in a statistical manner. It's uh, of course respectful of your private life. It's anonymous, but everywhere we measure that people stay longer in the museum <laughs> because they are engaging in this relationship. And I think uh, Cathy could 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 comment on that in the gallery in the uh, National Building Museum where we are very proud to be showing for the first time in the United States, the Notre Dame de Paris augmented exhibition. Mm -hmm. People would stay quite a long time in order to go through a nine centuries travel experience from the very early days of the buildings of, of the cathedrals in the 12th century. And they will travel through all the centuries and they will arrive in the 21st century. And that's the moment when we explain the ongoing work of reconstruction of the cathedral, what's going on in Paris today, how are we going to rebuild this world heritage um, by using the same uh, technique, the same materials, the same savoir-faire, mm -hmm. but today in the present time with also new innovative technologies because we have to face a major tragedy. The, the fire has been uh, uh, you know, damaging badly. Uh, there's been a lot of pollution uh, with leather. There, there's been a lot of uh, additional issues with the uh, uh, thousands, I should say, uh, um, uh, billiards of liters of water that 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 felt on the walls everywhere. So we have to 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 you know to save the monument from 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 this uh, horrible night of uh, April 15, 2019. And uh, and I, I like it when Cathy says that um, it's about uh, building uh, yesterday and it's about building today because actually the visitors will be uh, understanding how did the, 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 the medieval workers uh, uh, built in, in the 12th century, the cathedrals, that's a 100 years long process. Right. And they understand how they were able to uh, create those um, immense uh, uh, Gothic uh, vaults uh, and, 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 you know, and, 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 and Gothic uh, uh, architecture. And um, actually, the reason why Notre Dame is still standing up is, 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 is double. 
One, it's because of the, uh, the, 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 the bravery of the firemen that, uh, that, that uh, fought against the fire that night and, and, and successfully managed to stop it. Mm-hmm. But two, it's because of the genius of the Gothic architecture that knew very well about the danger of a fire in the roof. <laughs> so the way to protect the building from that is to do a stone, a stone ceiling with stone vaults. So the, 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 the wood structure on top of it could burn, the walls would stay. Mm. So that's something you understand when you go through an historical um, presentation. Mm-hmm. So it suddenly makes so much more sense to see the building evolution through the centuries and to understand that pretty much each century did bring some uh, change to it. And, and now you, you feel different when you arrive in the, in, in, in the present days and that you see the, the work is not finished, but it's never been finished in a way and it's starting again. And yes, we will be able to, um, to uh, repair and to do it as beautiful as it was before. And yes, it will reopen for the, uh, for the visitors coming from, from all over the world. And, 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 and I'd like to, 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 to finish this comment by saying that we were moved from day one by this uh, international, let's say that night, I think we all saw that Notre Dame was uh, uh, unifying the world. Mm-hmm. There was some kind of something going on f- for the planet, and we were uh, we were so uh, moved uh, by the uh, reactions coming from all over the world, and in particular from the United States, uh, of people expressing their care about Notre Dame de Paris, their 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 will that um, it has to stay there, it has to be. <laughs> So we wanted to uh, find a way to uh, bring to this worldwide audience an experience that could help them to um, understand better the monument and understand how uh, it will be possible in the near future to find it back. And I would say to find it back in in the most brilliant manner possible because the, the Notre Dame that will reopen in 2024 will be more beautiful than the one you've been visiting because everything is being cared, uh, cleaned, repaired. Not only the architecture, but all the paintings inside. All, all the, everything is being now going into a restoration for the, uh, for, for, the, for the reopening. And that project that we bring to the National Building Museum has been fully financed by our patron, the L'Oréal Group, the French L'Oréal Group, um, is generously helping us to create this experience and to bring it um, today to Washington. Well, so honestly, Bruno, what I think is, I mean, I want to know more about the actual experience as we go through it. And Kathy, I hope you can help with that. But even if this tragedy didn't happen with Notre Dame, you could literally bring this experience 
anywhere in the world, whether it's Notre Dame or Pompeii, I mean, anything you guys put your mind to, anybody could experience it without being there. I mean, nothing is as good as being at the actual place, but for those who can't travel or don't have the luxury of it, it is an amazing technology that people can experience in a very different no, way. Thank you, Nikki, because that's exactly what it is. So uh, up, uh, until today, we were giving this experience to the visitors inside the monuments. Mm -hmm. And so you could do that when you were visiting France in one of our uh, uh, places. But thanks to this new concept of the augmented exhibition, mm -hmm. it becomes a traveling experience that can uh, uh, go anywhere and um, when you are in the uh, National Building Museum with your histopad in hands and that you are in the exhibition, actually it works so well because you, 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 you have the uh, uh, satisfaction of seeing Notre Dame today as, 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 uh, as being able to see it and visit it, but also to see it um, in, the, in, the, in the 850 years of its complete history. So, we are demonstrating that it's possible to make it happen basically outside of Notre Dame mm -hmm. and to create the uh, uh, emotion among the visitors that they are fully satisfied by the visit, even though this is happening in Washington, in, in, in the museum. Well, that makes so much sense. And Kathy, so as you worked with Bruno to create this experience, walk us through it a little bit. So. What am I seeing when I walk into the space? I have my histopad, but I'm not just looking at the screen. There are things around me. So how did you guys uh, execute the exhibit? Yeah, I have to thank Bruno's team and his brother, Andre, who is the designer for the exhibition. Um, so in the exhibition, sort of, we've cleared out some of our beautiful gallery spaces, which are these beautiful dome spaces, not nearly as old as Notre Dame, but for the US from the 1880s. Um, and then we've, um, a floor was laid that looks just like was an image of the floor in Notre Dame. So it feels like you're walking on the floor. Um, we've put up um, sort of vinyl window covering. So it looks like you're looking out the um, stained glass windows of Notre Dame. And then there was a series of these large photo blowups, these sort of giant light boxes. Um, and you start with the fire. That's the first one you encounter. And each one of these photos, there's a pillar in front of it with a what we're calling a portal right Bruno yes um, a time time portal a time portal which is essentially like a QR code that mm -hmm. the histoped will sort of read that right away and bring up the content that sort of relates to the the image so the first one is the fire so it's going back in time with the image there's a timeline of the night of the fire of sort of what was happening some amazing video that has never been seen before of the fire mm -hmm. um so you, you work through that one you can there are little sort of buttons you can push on to dig a little bit deeper and to see other things. Um, and then you move on to the beginning of Notre Dame and the building from the beginning um, and do the same, you repeat the same thing throughout. So you're into the building sort of once it was built, some of the history talking about Napoleon's coronation um, and other events that happened and changes that happened in the cathedral and then sort of back into the current time sort of fire and the um, work that's being done on, on the cathedral now. So it's a beautiful experience in and of itself. It's very simple, but it's very elegant. Um, and it really draws people in and the histopads are really amazing. And 
I, I find it really interesting. Bruno talked about, which is correct. It's sort of an individual endeavor because you each get your own um, histopad, but it's amazing how I've seen people come together. Sort of, did you see this? Did you see this? Have you found this? And the families that are coming together, I know our opening day, there was sort of a colleague of ours who came with his wife and his middle school age daughter and his high school daughter who usually have nothing to do with each other who like by the end they were all working together and there's a marvelous scavenger hunt that you can do um, to sort of figure this all out. And did you know this? Did you know that? Um, so it's been amazingly successful for our visitors. And are, is it ticketed? I mean, how do you control the people who go in and how do you handle all of that? Sure, so you have to have a ticket to come into the museum or to go in any of our exhibitions. So this is part of that ticketed price. It's not an upsell for um, this experience. Mm -hmm. And there's a desk out front of the galleries, which is where you have to pick up your histopad there. We are limiting the number to about 60 coming through the exhibition at any time. Um, like Bruno said, there's probably two, two, two hours worth of content if you wow. really went to everything an hour and a half to two hours. So people were spending a lot of time. So we were trying to make sure people have a good experience in the space and, mm -hmm. and timing it just so. And it's been working out pretty well so far. And what were you, because I mean, you do this for a living. You do lots of, you know, <laughs> exhibits uh, and immersive ones. What was it about this that you were like, this is so cool. I can't believe that this is here. I think it was both my excitement and my fear is the technology. We have not done a lot of technology at the museum. I mean, some here and there, some interactives. We do a lot of video, like pretty straightforward video, but something like this is very different for us. And I was, I was anxious to see how it would work. Um, and if it would work, not that I didn't trust Bruno, but sort of in how our visitors would react to this. Um, because you know, sometimes some of these are not as successful, this kind of experience are not as successful. Um, and this one, I'm really stunned with how successful it is and how aligned it is with what we do. I mean, one of my favorite parts is you can, um, there's a whole section about the workers and about the trades that you can learn sort of how a carpenter worked and how um, the stone, the masons worked. And so I love all of those pieces that match so um, well with what we're trying to get across to the building museum. Well, I think because it is the National Building Museum and, I, you know, I'm sure you're a greatly misunderstood museum be just because mm -hmm. of the name, right? Because Indeed. Of, I mean, I know how you explained it in the beginning, but there is so much more to architecture than just the physical aesthetic. And I think Bruno really said it well when he talked about the structure and how it how it remained, but how it's changed over the years because there is electricity in there now, right? Additions are right. always made. Things are, I mean, I have a house from the 1800s. Sometimes it still feels like it, but I mean, there are, you know, updates that are made to architecture over time because of what's new and available, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. Um, so telling that story uh, is so important. Yeah, um, our buildings are alive. And, is, you know, a, this this says that. It's, it's very true. And the, the life of the buildings is basically the direct uh, mirror of, uh, Human life, and so uh, when we when you visit the uh, exhibition in the uh, National Building Museum, mm -hmm. you will actually be part of historical moments um, that you will see the kings, you will see the revolution, you will see uh, Napoleon being crowned, you will see moments that have been shaping uh, the society and the building togetherly. And you understand how much it's part of the culture of the of the of the life 
of of the city of Paris city, <laughs> and 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 of course somehow in in a more universal approach that it is uh, reflecting our common history that we've been uh, we have been uh, I mean generations have been build shaping up. Mm -hmm. um, quick question, uh, Bruno. When it comes to the pads that people use. Um, was there any concern about people dropping them or breaking them or, you know, people of all ages, maybe a little nervous about technology. I'm thinking of older generations who maybe don't feel as comfortable so, with it. How do you, how do you deal with all that? So, um, we've been doing this for eight years now, and, uh, today we have about, uh, 20 uh, sites equipped uh, and we welcome uh, 2 million visitors per year when you when you cumul cumulatively speaking mm -hmm. so we solved all the problems so we went through all wow should we get you to do <laughs> other things too there are so some problems <laughs> we haven't we haven't have a one tablet that was that was dropped in the water by some kids in you know in the water surrounding a, a middle aged fort so mm -hmm. uh, uh, and uh, uh, and and so and and it did not stay on the surface so <laughs> so we we uh, we uh, no actually the the system is 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 super optimized to serve everyone so we we pay a lot of attention to make it simple mm -hmm. so anyone can use it so there is no barrier for elders they they will succeed because it's it's as simple as clicking on an image not much more so it's very intuitive it's not scary you know and um if it falls on the ground no risks because it's got a rubber protection right and um and and etc so uh, we have very little uh let's say um I don't see any case, uh, and maybe Cathy, uh, you 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 tell me, but I, I don't see anyone um, failing. In, in no, not at all. Yeah, it's sort of nice. It's interesting that sort of I think some older people have been in there who are not as technologically savvy figure it out pretty quickly. It takes a second, but they figure it out pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing with the kids, it slows the kids down. Mm. Like kids who are usually buzzing through things, it quickly slows them down. Um, which is really delightful to see. Well, I do love that. And yeah, I just, I speak about technology is that sometimes people get nervous <laughs> when they don't know it, not because they think they're going to break it. I mean, I think that's <laughs> always the concern with people yeah. when they're unfamiliar is that they're going to somehow destroy something. <laughs> so uh, as easy as it is, that's terrific. All right. I, I can't thank you both enough for joining me today and sharing this experience. Um, what an incredible addition to the DC um, museum scene for people to be able to see this summer. Kathy, can you please tell everybody uh, where they can find the museum, where they can find out the details on the exhibit, how they can get tickets and access and everything, please. You bet. We are down at 401 F Street Northwest, right across from the Judiciary Square Metro. Super easy to get to. 
We are open right now, Friday through Monday, 11 to four. We'll be opening on Thursdays as well, beginning on June 1st. Um, you can get tickets in advance if you want through our website, but you can just come on in and purchase tickets at the museum. It'll get you into the Notre Dame exhibition as well as everything else. And I do wanna, since I can connect it with food for a second, we are about to open a new cafe Oh. Um, with Saku Saku Flakery, who have been up in Cleveland Park for a while. Well, they um, are delicious. They are delicious. So beautiful French with the Japanese twist pastries that um, they're opening any day now. We're sort of doing a last minute fixes in the cafe. So you can come get an amazing croissant and see the Notre Dame show um, now through um, September 26th. Oh, I think all you need to do now is pour a glass of wine and you'll have a total French experience, right? Exactly. Like, we won't tell if you bring some yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and Bruno, can you please tell us where we can find out more about your company? Because this is not the only exhibit uh, exhibit that you do. You do others. So where can we keep in touch with you? I, I would suggest you go on NotreDameExpo.com. Okay. And you'll find actually all the uh, details that Cathy was telling you a recap because... Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, to learn about the other play, the other projects, you can check it out at historbury.com. And uh, um, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's actually uh, going to travel in the US after Washington DC. Oh, great. So we're going to the next, uh, we'll be, the next stop will be in New Orleans, where we'll, uh, we'll start in uh, November. So stay tuned. <laughs> Great. Well, I want to thank you both so much for joining me today. Great. Thank you, Nikki. Well, that was certainly an interesting show. If you did not know about this immersive experience at the National Building Museum, you certainly know a lot about it now, and you should absolutely get tickets. Uh, and the pop-up tour is only here for a short period of time. So uh, go check that out in Union Market. There is so much going on in the DC metro area. It is so very exciting. Uh, everything that you heard about here today is in the list, areyouonit.com. Of course, you can follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for all the cool things I'm doing and everything that is happening, not just here in the DC metro area, but on my travels as well. And I do have some really good ones coming up. Uh, so thank you uh, for joining me today. Thanks to my guests for all that incredible information. Uh, so it the pandemic is lessening. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't even have to show your vaccination card anymore. But sometimes people are going to ask for you to wear a mask. Just put one on. Uh, we are still having major uh, service delays and uh, restaurants are doing the best that they can. So my weekly reminder is to please uh, take your kindness pill and be good to people out there. Uh, thanks again for joining me. Have a delicious week. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC.